This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 151 of the Dressage Radio Show. Welcome to the program. On this week's episode, we're going to preview the Reem Accra FEI World Cup Finals, which takes place next week in Setogenbosch in the Netherlands. And joining me to take a look at the runners and riders is a Canadian equestrian journalist, Karen Robinson. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Chris. Nice to have you on the show. You know, we talk a lot and we see each other at these competitions but I've never actually managed to pin you down because you're a busy lady aren't you you are a bit of a chameleon how many different roles do you play <laughs> well really I guess you could break it down into two big ones one is I make um, I create freestyles for dressage competitors and the other is that I cover major events and news for a number of publications around the world and I go to the Olympics and the World Equestrian Games and the Pan Am Games whenever they roll around which means I have a pretty busy travel calendar yeah and you're totally absorbed in dressage aren't you I guess you could say that. I'm a retired eventer. I turned 30 and uh, hung up my hard hat when I realized I'd lost my nerve along with a few other things when I turned 30. So that was the turning point, was it? I have to remember that when I see people retiring or switching sports, you know, well, then they must be turning 30. Now, does that mean (laughs) that you focus exclusively when you're in the saddle on dressage, Karen? Yes, uh, I haven't. I haven't taken my current horse over anything bigger than a cross rail, and I've owned him since he was three. The reason I got back into dressage actually was the idea of freestyles. I'd been watching World Cup videos, you know, renting them from the tax store because this was in the days before YouTube, and watching them and thinking what a what an exciting thing it would be to ride a horse to music. And when I learned that there were starting to be lower level freestyles offered at local shows, I decided to just throw my hat in there and see if I could make it fly. And then I ended up quitting my day job to do it for everybody else. (laughs) And you design freestyles, which uh, obviously that's your business, and that's Applause Dressage. We'll put a link to that um, website on our show notes, Karen, so they can find out more about you and and what you do there. And and your clients too, because you have clients around the world. So uh, we know we should have you on on the show more often because we cover the sport top to bottom and around the world, and and so do you. So let's make this a regular gig, okay? All right, if you say so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, um, before we go any further, you did say that you cover cover the big events and you've, you've covered the sport for different blogs. Just tell everybody where they can read about what you think on the sport of dressage. Where could they go to? Ah, well, I actually have two blogs. One is at horsecanada.com, and that's horse-canada.com. That blog is called Straight Up, and I've been writing on there since uh, 2009, following the, the 2008 Olympics. And I, I actually write every week, but I write with more intensity when I'm at events or when events are going on that I'm perhaps following on FEI TV. I now have a second blog, which is owned by the same parent company, um, Horse Canada. Canada launched a new magazine last year called Horse Internet Horse Sport 
Sport International, excuse me, and horsesportinternational.com has a website, and I have the only blog on there, and it's called Lowdown, and I focus more on the international scene. I don't only focus on dressage, but certainly the fact that I'm so deeply involved in dressage means that I would say probably 75% of the content is directly related to the dressage world. And if anyone has read your written work, Karen, they will know that you pull no punches. I like to say I have no sacred cows. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, is that just the style that you've developed in terms of your attitude towards the sport or your reaction to the sport? Or is, is that just Karen Robinson in real life? No, I think it, it's very much a reflection of my personality. Uh, I, I, as it happens, I think dressage, and I've, I've written about this recently, uh, for some reason dressage seems to be a sport that is predisposed to feuds and controversy. If you look at the current situation, the FEI is in the middle of two issues right now with the dressage community. One is over an Olympic qualification, and the other is, of course, this ongoing situation with the International Dressage Riders Club. And, uh, you know, dressage, I suppose it's a good fit for me because I've always been a little bit of what you'd call a... um, (laughs) a poop disturber and uh, this sport gives me no end of material to write about in that respect I do I don't just write to get people to get people riled up or upset I try to make people think a little bit about situations and and come to their own informed conclusions instead of either not taking an interest when they should or simply listening to what one party says without exploring everybody's point of view Thought-provoking. Well, that's always good, uh, Karen. Well, we're going to, this week, discuss the upcoming FEI Remacra World Cup Finals, which are taking place in Setogenbosch in the Netherlands just next week. And you will have covered uh, several, I'm sure, of the qualifiers and, and then the finals themselves. How many of you actually attended? Because you're way out of the way on left field, yeah. there, on the left coast. <laughs> Yes, and I was very, very happy when the when the World Cup final was held in Las Vegas in 2000, and I believe it was three times, um, 2005, 2007, and 2009. Those are actually the only World Cup finals that I've covered. If you look at the, just look at the entry list for this year, out of 18 horses, only three are from outside of Europe, two of them being American and one being Australian. The sport is, you know, the World Cup final is still, by and large, a European competition. And you can see that, you know, Sir Togenbosch has hosted it 10 times. Gothenburg has hosted it, I think, half a dozen times it is a it is an event it's an indoor event it needs a certain kind of venue and in north america we don't have we don't have many options for venues like that um horses traveling from europe to north america would find the trip much easier if a competition of that type were held in the east instead of in the west but las vegas was certainly a wonderful venue and um and i'm I'm sorry to see that it doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon for a return of the world cup final dressage to las vegas the last time I saw you, Karen, was down at the Masters in Wellington this winter. And that yeah. new venue that they have, the Global Dressage Festival venue down there in Wellington now, it's a permanent venue, which is going to be absolutely fabulous. It's, it's great now, but it's going to be fabulous when it's complete. Would you see that as a potential venue for a final? Do you think you'd get enough Europeans to come over? Because several, as you, as you well know, are based there, come over for the winter already from, from Europe. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, certainly when, uh, when Charlotte Dujardin and Carl Hester were, were in, in Florida for the Masters, uh, for the, this was the World Dressage Masters Palm Beach, uh, they both expressed uh, an, a, sort of a keenness to look at coming over next year. And, and Tina Willemsen Sylvan, of course, bases there now for the last several winters and, and seems to be bringing more horses and more clients every time. The problem with the venue at the Global Dressage Festival is that it's not strictly an, an indoor venue. It's primarily an outdoor show venue. It has a very large indoor, well, covered Covered arena. arena, It's not an enclosed space. And I don't know that they have the capacity to to seat as many spectators as one of the big indoor venues, such as the Thomas and Mac in Las Vegas or the the venue in Sertogenbosch in in the Netherlands where where this year's World Cup final is going to be. Um, and And I do think that they have a fairly strong mandate with the World Cup final that this is an indoor series. It runs as a complement to the outdoor series through the summer months. And I don't think there would be much sympathy to the idea of making it an outdoor competition. And you mentioned the covered arena there, which is huge, but I'm not sure, uh, again, what the seating capacity would be for that. I don't know whether that would satisfy the the indoor, quote-unquote, covered uh, criteria for for a venue. But I suppose it could be enclosed more than just... Just, just covered. It could be enclosed. If, uh, but, but again, it would come down to seating capacity, wouldn't it? Yes, and it might come down to the citizens of Wellington objecting to something of that <laughs> caliber taking place at that venue. As you know, it's a, it's an ill-kept secret that that venue has been controversial from the beginning. Nobody, nobody denies that that it's it's a wonderful addition to the dressage show circuit, and the facility is top notch. The footing is top notch, but there certainly hasn't been. Um, um, unequivocal approval of the of the development in that particular location in Wellington. So, how do we get away from it? The World Cup final just being a, a European centred uh, competition. Then, Karen, what's the solution? Well, I guess we would need someone with the same kind of motivation and inspiration as a Joop Bartels. Um, you know, Joop started the World Cup final. He's Dutch. And it made perfect sense for that event. You know, the first World Cup final in 1986 was held in Sertogenbosch in the Netherlands. Uh, and that place made made perfect sense. The, the issue that we have in North America is just look at the number of participants. It's very difficult to imagine somebody wanting to take on hosting an event of that caliber with the risk that it won't make money, that it's primarily a, a promotional tool for the sport, knowing that we, we only have two spots for North American competitors. It's, 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 it can be a tough sell. When you have you know, the, the stars of the world coming to town, yes, you can sell tickets at the end of the day, but how much can you sell those tickets for and what's the end cost? Because for the World Cup final, you have to then look at flying all those horses overseas and that usually falls to the organizer to, to pay for it, the organizer and sponsors, of course. Um, now, the fact that Remacra is a New York-based uh, designer and is now the title sponsor of the World Cup final. Goodness, wouldn't it be wonderful to have it in New York City? Well, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes, there's, there's a seed we could sow, Karen. World <laughs> we, Cup could do it, in- we could do it right after the Westminster Dog Show because, as you know, every horse lover loves dogs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Give us lots of reasons to go to New York. That would be a great idea. I don't know if anyone's considered... Uh, New York as a possible venue, but maybe we'll put it out there. You have contacts in the FEI, Karen. I'll hand that over to you. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not always their favorite person. 
<laughs> As previously mentioned, I don't pull punches on the blog, and um, I don't consider the FEI a sacred cow along with anybody else. <laughs> All right. Well, moving right along now, then, let's take a look at the runners and riders for this year's final, which takes place just next week, the 18th to the 22nd of April over there in the Netherlands. Um, let's go down that field. As you mentioned, uh, the two American entries, no Canadians, just the two Americans um, where do you want to start with this list, Karen? Well, I mean, both both Jan Ebeling and Shauna Harding competed at at last at the um, 2011 World Cup final as well with with these two horses. Um, Jan and Rafalka have been having some very good results this year. I know Jan's freestyle very well because I designed it, and he's had a few changes made to the music to make it a little bit more powerful and a little more exciting. It's still the basic overall theme. It's very emotional music, which I think really suits Rafalka, who is an incredibly generous, kind, and athletic horse. Um, He was 11th last year with 72.589% in the freestyle. And based on the results he's been getting this year at the CDIs in California, he should expect to improve on that. Um, Now, whether whether that puts him higher in the field or not, that's another story because, of course, we've got some really strong, it's a pretty strong field considering it's an Olympic year. And a number of the horses that are are in this World Cup final will most likely be in London. Um, And that that's, you know, that's impressive because what can sometimes happen in an Olympic year is that people tend to pull their horses away from series that might not be pushing them towards the Olympics. Uh, there's a very strong philosophy that the Olympics is the ultimate game. And if you have a chance to go to the Olympics, then you should be concentrating on that above everything else. But I think if you look at this list of entries, including both Jan and Shauna, who would be declared and, and aiming for the Olympics, we've got, you know, the return the title defender, Adelinda and she'll, of course, be um, a very strong possibility for, for a medal at, at London. Um, touch wood, should things go well for her. So it's going to be a really interesting competition. And as in the jumping, Karen, the World Cup final still has a cachet to it, doesn't it? It is still a competition they want to win, despite the fact that it is an Olympic year, and that may be the main target for many of these riders. It, it still sits on the calendar as one they want to carry home. Yes, uh, certainly it's a it, it's a very prestigious competition. It's a very prestigious title to hold. Um, I know that when, for example, when Edward Gall became um, you know the title holder of the World Cup and the and and the World Equestrian Games. You know a lot was made of that. It was really you know if it's not equivalent, it's certainly very close. And the fact that it is an annual series, I think, also creates a momentum of its own. You know, the Olympics and the World Equestrian Games are only every four years, and they tend to be thought of as one-off. Whereas the World Cup final becomes something you look at riders like like Anki van Grunsven who sort of dominated the results for a number of years, you become like a World Cup rider in a way. And I think some horses, certain horses do well in an indoor environment. The ones that maybe are a little bit quiet when it's quiet, they come right to life and they get very electric in an indoor environment. And riders, I think, are starting to do the same thing in dressage that they do in show jumping, is identifying the horses that they ride, that they have in their stable, that would be good World Cup horses that are good in that atmosphere. Yes, very true. Well, let's look at uh, the one Australian entry, Rachel Sanner, you know, consistent uh, uh, team player, Rachel, uh, with uh, JB Alabaster and the only Australian entry there from that Pacific League. Yes. And, you know, Rachel's been... 
Rachel's been having some great success with that horse. It's a huge commitment. I, I would be surprised if she is planning to return to Australia after the World Cup final. I would expect that she would be wanting to stay on in Europe in preparation for, for uh, you know, m- f- for going to London. Right, as indeed Brett Parbury is. He goes back and forth all the time. And, uh, you know, because it's very tough for them to come from the Southern Hemisphere and prepare for a major championship in the Northern Hemisphere. And not only expensive, but, you know, taking the horses back and forth and subjecting them to the different climates. Uh, uh, you, you know how that overall has an impact on the horses in the long term and going from the indoors to the outdoors as well, Karen. Well, and I think also you can't you can't underestimate the investment that the rider makes. Most most international riders these days make their livings as trainers and coaches. And when they make the commitment to do a long trip, for example, the Canadians going to Europe doing a European tour leading up to the World Equestrian Games two years ago, some of those riders were away from their businesses for three or four months at a time. And while there's there's there may be sponsorship, there may be, you know, government funding to support certain certain athletic pursuits, at the end of the day they're not earning any money when they're off doing those things. So it's a humongous personal investment to make yeah it cert- certainly is I, I know that very well and in and i think that's often underestimated a lot of people consider that if you become an elite athlete and you hear about getting sponsors well typically it's only product sponsorship the rest they're putting their hand in their pocket they're awful they are forfeiting as you said their business to be away from that for that length of time and they don't get the government subsidies like they would in europe say in the uh, in, in the british isles in, in the uk there is uh, the government lottery uh, funding that supports a lot of the riders at that high performance level so it it is it is tougher than a lot of people think it is to you know make it you know to a major championship whether it be world cups or indeed uh, olympics and other national championships Yes, and like I said, if you just look at the list of entries, we have 11 nations represented at this year's Dressage World Cup final. There are three from the Netherlands, three from Germany, two from Sweden. Those are, and those are right now, those are powerhouse nations when it comes to the sport. And, you know, the, the lion's share of, of, the, of the horses are already, they're, they're European horses, European riders. It is still, it's not, it's not Eurocentric in a political sense. It's Eurocentric in an economic and numbers sense. The sport is simply bigger there than it is here. It's bigger there than it is in Australia or Asia or Latin America. And we can see that right. there was no one to fill the spot for South America slash Asia this year. They, they gave the spot to, um, to a Norwegian competitor, uh, Cyril Helgesen, I think is the correct uh, pronunciation on a horse called Dorina. Um, you know, there simply wasn't anyone even close to to even qualifying for the World Cup from that part of the world. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, let's look at the the Western European <laughs> League, as you say. That is the the central focus on uh, on the, you know who's going to make it to the top of the pile by the end of the week because you've got some really strong combinations there that have been consistently good over the, the winter season both in Europe and uh, and t- in Tina's case here in Florida as well. Uh, let's start with Patrick Kittle because he's been on a run with a few horses. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of horses in his barn right now. Yeah, and, and Patrick is, I don't know him personally, but I've certainly heard so many wonderful things about him that he's a, he's a wonderful person. He's very down to earth in spite of his great height. Um, and I actually watched his performance with Toy Story. I can't remember which World Cup 
competition it was. I was watching it on FEI TV. And I have to say, it was one of the most exciting freestyles for music that I've seen in a long time. I'm assuming he's using that same freestyle. It was created by... Um, uh, Michael Erdman, who is the longtime designer for a number of the top riders, including Isabel Vert and the Spanish riders such as Rafael Soto and I believe Juan Man- Manuel Munoz Diaz. But uh, Patrick's freestyle with Toy Story is uh, its very exciting. It's very modern music. It's beautifully edited. It fits the horse. And uh, if he's going to be riding that freestyle, I will definitely be watching it live on FEI TV. <laughs> and I do think Patrick is, he's got, he's certainly, you know, I, I, I do think still Adelinda is a little bit off in a class on her own. I don't, I don't see anybody on this list particularly challenging her on, on, on Unless Parsifal decides he really doesn't like the venue, and that just doesn't seem to be happening to him anymore. He's a very mature competitor. He looks very confident in the ring. But I think there will be a little bit of a scrum uh, immediately underneath her with riders like Patrick and Tina. And I have to say, having those two in the World Cup final, it's certainly looking like Sweden's going to be a very strong team in London this year as well. Um, and uh, and then with the Germans, we're seeing, we might be seeing some exciting things from Helen Lange-Hannenberg with either, I don't even know if she's taking Damon Hiller responsible. She's qualified with two horses. Isabel Verrett is also qualified with both Varamnicht and El Santo. My guess would be that if Isabel chooses one horse to take in the World Cup final, it might be telling us a little bit about who she's aiming for the Olympics. Mm, yes, quite. Um, just going back to Helen, I, I don't think she has the ride on responsible anymore, does she? Oh, she. I, I'm, I'm not that up on the... I do go on Euro dressage every day, but I'm not sure I've seen that. <laughs> um, well, I, I may be wrong, but I, I you know, because I've been to sleep since I read that, so, you know, and I wipe off my hard drive overnight, but I go... Again, I, I I think I did read somewhere that. Uh, okay. So, but she's had a very consistent winter again, Helen, and, and a lovely lady. We've had her on the show, and she's absolutely charming. She's got two nice horses there. At least yeah. uh, Damon Hill, if she's the one that if the hip, he is the one that she will take. Yes, yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, Hans Peter Menderhood, we should mention him. He's got two horses entered there uh, to support uh, um, the home team. Yes, and I, I the, of course, the Whitney horse was ridden for, for Belgium previously. I've actually seen Tango in person. I believe Hans-Peter rode him during the Global Dressage Forum a few years ago when he was only, I, I guess he would have been six or seven years old, um, and I thought he was a very exciting-looking horse, and uh, I certainly hope to see, I won't be at the World Cup final, so I, I certainly hope that Hans-Peter will make the, the, um, the Olympic team so I can see the horse live again, because I think it's quite... Quite an exciting horse. Hans Peter is also one of those riders that I like to identify as a good freestyle rider. He's one of those riders who, when he, you know, he's got really strong transitions in the music for very specific movements in the choreography, and he always seems to be absolutely at one with his music. He knows how to ride to his music and not be married to the roadmap of his pattern if it's not working out exactly perfectly in the timing. Mm, good, good point there. Now, the Brits, we have to mention, they only have one rider there, Richard Davidson. Yes, um, I mean, good the old Brit- Richard. <laughs> yes, and, but, you know, it, as a nation, their rise in the sport, is for an expat, it's been absolutely astonishing uh, to see where they are now. You know, a lot of... Um, 
you know, a lot of sort of patriotic support for any of the riders out there. Richard's going to fly the flag on his own, but, you know, and he's always consistent he, and, and a lover of the sport too. He just goes out and has fun, doesn't he? Yes, and R- Richard certainly is, and he's, he's very much an ambassador on many levels. You know, he's been, he's been team chef to keep. He's, he's been a team member. He's very involved with things like the riders, like the riders and, the, and the Global Dressage Forum, which he emcees year after year. And, um, and he's, just, he's just a wonderful personality, and it's great to see that he is having some really consistent success with his Scox Artemis, although I have to say I'll never understand why he called a gelding Artemis. <laughs> <laughs> Since Artemis was a Greek goddess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, the other German entry is Nadine Kappelmann on Elvis. I, I wonder how old Elvis is now. He's got to be up there, hasn't he? She's got two yes. horses entered. Uh, yeah. I, you know, Elvis was at the um, the World Equestrian Games in Aachen in 2006, and he was a relatively new partner then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's an incredibly powerful horse. I believe he'd been a show jumper before Nadine got him. And I remember watching her ride him in the he she came out in the opening ceremonies they had really were you in Aachen in 2006 indeed and in fact the first time I saw her and performing to that Elvis music was at Aachen in the spring of 2006 or was it the year before when she first came out and that was the first time she performed to that music and I thought well you know of course it got the crowd going didn't it sure music (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he's a, he's a very interesting horse. I've always really liked him. He he does let her down a little bit in the ring sometimes. Um, I do think that his he's a very big horse, and I think he just sometimes struggles with his balance. If you look at the way he's made, he's what you'd call a square horse. He's not particularly long backed, and horses with short backs and long legs often find it difficult to keep their balance in the movements of high high collections such as the Piaf and the pirouettes. But he's he's a wonderful horse to watch and. Um, and you know he's another one that you know he's he's probably made of iron because he's still out there six years after making his international debut in Aachen. Yes, yes, and Nadine is always so charming. It's lovely to watch her. And we should mention then that uh, Scandinavia has got two Swedish riders, a fin- Finnish rider, Mikaela yes. Lind, and uh, and has mentioned uh, the Norwegian rider uh, Cyril Heliusen with Dorina. Um, we we haven't included the uh, the Polish entries though. There's two from that Central European yes. League, and I'm going to toss it to you to pronounce those names, Karen. <laughs> well, my husband is Czech, but the uh, pronunciation of Polish is not quite the same. I, I believe. Uh, I mean, we all know Mikhail Rat Rat. Savich, I think it's yes. uh-huh. that's the correct spelling of his name, and he's been he's been to to North America because right. he's competed at the World Dressage Masters, and Randon is another horse that I've I've always enjoyed watching. He's a little powerhouse. Um, he's he's small but 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 very compact and has a kind of explosive energy about him. And I think Mikhail has has had a, a really exciting career. He's he's really put Poland on the international map. Now um, Katarzyna. Uh, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce the rest of her name. Her horse, Ecuador, they were at the World Equestrian Games in uh, in 2010. Mm-hmm. Ecuador is a big gray, gal- gray, I think he's a stallion actually, um, but a very interesting horse. And, and when I watched her compete, you know, she did well considering she was a complete unknown. I mean, let's, let's be frank. If you're a complete unknown, you do have an uphill battle to, to break above the mid-60s with the judges, especially at a major games. But she 
she she had she had good results and and very interesting, um, very athletic horse, real nice fluidity to his way of going. So I think it would I think she would be interesting to watch at this World Cup final because um, because I do think it's a it's an interesting pair with a lot of talent and they are coming from a place of relative obscurity compared to some of these big names. Yes, absolutely. Well, I can't let you go without mentioning Valentina Tripper. Valentina was on the show recently. She's had a very consistent time actually winning qualifiers. I mean, who would yes. have thought an Italian would come and win a qualifier? No disrespect to the Italians, but they're not exactly a dressage powerhouse, are they? No, and actually, I, I would have to check the history, but I believe Valentina is probably the first uh, Italian rider since Pia Laus, who, in fact, I don't oh, believe yes. it is Italian-born, to represent yeah. Italy at the World Cup final. Uh, and and Aramo de, del Castaño is a very exciting horse to watch as well. And it's interesting, Valentina is so petite that she makes even an average-sized horse look quite big uh, in comparison. Um, but you have to give her credit for, for making it all look so beautiful, even in her Italian police uniform. That's right. She wears the uniform of the Carabinieri, which, uh, which always looks very dashing. Um, quite an interesting field there, as always, in a World Cup final. I'm going to get you to stick your neck out here, Karen. You mentioned earlier that you thought that um, Adelinda would be hard to beat, especially on home soil. Um, yeah. Do you think she, she's a shoe-in because she is on uh, home turf there? Oh, I don't think it has anything to do with home turf. I think she could perform on Mars and probably still win. But I don't <laughs> but I don't want to jinx her. So I'm not going to say absolutely that Adelinda will win because of course doing that is is opening all the all the superstitions in the world. But I certainly think that on the day she is um she's in a class on her own. Uh maybe only 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 to be faced by a very small number of individuals, a couple of whom are, of course, from the UK and are not at the World Cup final. All right. So uh, who's going to stand beside her in the final lineup? Oh boy, Chris, I hate doing this. Um, well, like I said, I, I do think. Sorry, I do no think one's those... listening, Karen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Patrick and Tina, the two Swedes, are probably two of the very strongest individuals. You know, Isabel has. You know, Isabel has won the World Cup final. She's she's won it with Varum Nicht, but she's she's not been kind of she's not been sort of sparkling quite so shiny like she used to compared to some of the other competitors. Um and so I, I can't say that I, I really expect that she's going to be right up there in that top three or four. And uh and of course, you know, the home the, the home team, um um Hans Peter I don't know. I mean, I don't think his scores have been right up there, but he'll certainly be likely to pull something out that's better than what he's been getting just because there is, I think people are driven when they're in front of a home crowd. I think we are driven to to excel beyond their usual pressure. Yes, and, and you know, it's always nice to have that patriotic support too, you know, cheering them from the from the bleachers. Well, to each and Absolutely. every one of them, we want to wish them luck and, and uh, enjoy their competition over there in Setogenbosch. I know that you'll be penning your lines about it. Karen, where, where will you be reporting on the, the finals? Where can we read those reports? <laughs> on your website? Or are they just blogs or are they going to be reports no, they in will, magazines? 
Actually, Chris, if you if you would put links to to my blogs, I will probably be blogging on the new one, the horsesportinternational.com blog, and I will be watching it on FEI TV. And for for any of you who know how far behind I am than European time, if I'm going to watch the Grand Prix, it will mean getting up at about two or three in the morning to do so. Yes. It's more likely I'll be writing about the Grand Prix freestyle, which is at a nice civilized hour late in the day, which is nice and bright and early when I'm having my coffee in the morning. Perfect. What a way to start the day. Well, Karen, thank you very much for taking a look at this uh, preview with us here for the World Cup Finals. It's great to have you on the show. Will you come back and visit us again? Sure thing. Absolutely. I love to talk. (laughs) Wonderful. And you will be in uh, uh, London for the Olympics, of course. Oh, I'm already packing my bags. I just bought my one-way ticket the other day. I decided, well, I need to just get myself there and not worry about when I'm coming back. So I should purchase (laughs) a one-way ticket to London. (laughs) All right. Well, look forward to catching up with you then. Great to speak to you, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me, Chris. And we will have a full review of those FEI Remacra World Cup finals for you here on the Dressage Radio Show. And with the Olympic Games just over three months away, gosh, it's hard to believe it is creeping up on us fast. It will be time to start to take a look at the runners and riders for that major event, of course. I'll be over there in London covering that for you here on the Dressage Radio Show and also on the Jumping Radio Show and the Eventing Radio Show. That's exclusive coverage here on the Horse Radio Network of the 2012 London Olympic Games. There'll be obviously lots for us to look at leading up to the Games, but if you have any questions or suggestions as part of that Olympic build-up here on the Horse Radio Network, don't hesitate to post your comments and questions and suggestions on the Dressage Radio Show Facebook fan page. Always love to hear from you. Have you ever attended an Olympic Games yourself or is it something you've always wanted to do? If you haven't been able to follow on television but relied on the articles and and TV coverage wherever you are in the world, is there anything that's been missing for you when it comes to covering the sport of dressage? What other details would you like to know to make your Olympic experience more complete? You can post your suggestions on our Facebook fan page and you can also email me directly here at the network, chris at horseradionetwork.com. And since I will be in London for the duration of the Games, you can always reach me by email and let me know if you've missed something of the coverage or if there are any questions you want me to ask of our guests once we get them on the show after the Games. We won't be able to get uh, the riders on during the Games because of the rights issue, with the broadcast rights issue, that is. But we will endeavour to get uh, the medalists on the show after the Games. So do let me know if there's anything you'd like to hear from me while I'm in London covering the Games for you here on the Horse Radio Network. Well, that's our show for this week. I want to thank Karen Robinson again for joining me to preview the FEI Remacra World Cup Finals. I will be back next week for more here on the Dressage Radio Show. So until then, I'm Chris Stafford, and thank you for listening. Thank you.